Hello, and welcome to this episode of Surety Today. Surety Today is a live monthly call-in podcast presented by the Surety and Fidelity Law Group at Wright, Constable, and Skeen, located in the Mid-Atlantic region. Surety Today is offered to surety claims professionals and is designed to keep you informed about important issues in the industry. Here is your host, Michael Stover. Well, welcome everyone to this edition of Surety Today. My name is Mike Stover and I'm a partner in the Surety and Fidelity Law Group here at Wright Constable Skeen in Baltimore, Maryland. And today I'm joined by my special guest, Jim Carlson, Technical Director with Partner Engineering and Science, Inc. Say hello to everybody, Jim. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, everyone. All right, thank you. So the title of our presentation today is What's Ahead Post-COVID-19 Lockdown? More and more jurisdictions are moving toward removing restrictions, lifting shutdown and shelter-in-place orders, and we will soon be entering another new and totally unknown environment. It's, uh, it, is it too soon? Was it too late? What will the virus do? Will there be a second wave? Will there be a vaccine or treatments or a cure? Uh, we can't answer those questions. Instead, our focus will be on the construction industry post-lockdown. As always, we like to uh, open our episodes with a big thank you to everyone for your support of Surety Today. We began Surety Today in May 2016, so we're starting our fifth year today. Uh, we couldn't have done this without you and, and your support. And um, I also wanted to thank everybody for remembering that today is Monday. I saw a uh, I saw an Instagram post where they said this is a this has been a strange um, leap year. You know, February had 29 days, March had like 80 days, and April had like 800 days. At least that's how it seemed. So uh, we ask that you uh, pass along our contact information to any colleagues you think may be interested in calling in or checking out one of our podcasts. The days of working from home for many are almost over. Now you have to relearn how to put on makeup while driving, how to change lanes, flip off the guy next to you and take a sip of your coffee, actually shower, get dressed, be polite to people in the office. You're going to have in-person meetings where people can see if you aren't paying attention or if you're working on something else. You're going to be standing in lines for lunch. Just remember, you can take surety today along with you on your commute and listen to one of our prior episodes for one, from one of, one of multiple locations, our Surety Today page on our website, wcslaw.com, as a podcast at iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, or Podbean. Just search for Surety Today. And we have a microsite, suretytoday.net, with everything on that, too. Four years of monthly presentations, so there's a lot of content for you to enjoy. As always, we've uh, muted the line during the presentation to avoid the background noise. We'll unmute the line at the end for any questions. Now, I'd like to take a moment to uh, introduce our special guest, Mr. Jim Carlson. As I mentioned, Jim is a technical director with Partner Engineering and Science, Inc. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree, Master's in Business Administration, and a Juris Doctor degree. He leads the uh, owner's representative, surety bond claim review, and subject matter expert witness teams at Partner. He has uh, worked on project scopes that range from minor repairs to large-scale, technically complex projects. Jim's been in the construction industry for 20 years. His expertise includes mechanical, electrical, plumbing systems, and controls. He's also well-versed in surety completion and fire life safety review and analysis. 
Jim's company, Partner Engineering and Science, has over 90 years of business experience, 800 employees, 43 offices worldwide. Partner offers a full-service surety engineering, environmental, and energy consulting and design services throughout the world. Partner was named as one of Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America last year. In addition, Partner was featured in Engineering News Record Top 200 Environmental Firms, ranking at number 100, and the uh, ENR's Top 500 Design Firms, ranked at uh, 149. So as I mentioned, we're all about to um, embark on this new phase of the COVID-19 pandemic where the economy comes out of shutdown and begins to open up again. But what will this emergence look like? Today, we're going to discuss such issues as the latest economic forecast and news, changes at uh, reopened sites, delays, replacement contractors, safety, impact of these new rules and of operation, and more. So I'm going to get us started today by looking at the uh, latest economic forecast and news, and we'll start by looking at some information as to where we are. In April, the U.S. economy lost 20.5 million jobs according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, as, as the non-essential businesses at least temporarily closed their doors to help slow uh, the spread of COVID-19. The employ unemployment rate stands at 14.7%, the highest rate since the Great Depression. One analyst observed that the coronavirus pandemic has triggered an unprecedented economic catastrophe. In one month, the U.S. lost all of its job growth over the past 10 years. On May 8th, uh, the Associated Builders Contractors reported that overall, the construction industry lost 975,000 jobs in April, based on analysis of the uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. This was the largest recorded decrease in construction jobs since the government began tracking employment in 1939. Of that total number, non-residential construction employment lost over 560,000 jobs in April. The unemployment rate for construction was 16.6%, which was an increase of 11.9% uh, over the same time last year. ABC chief economist, uh, ABC is the Associated Builders Contractors, uh, Annabur Basu stated that the hope had been that construction activity would hold up well given the industry's classification as an essential industry in much of the nation and the presence of substantial backlog coming into the crisis, which stood at 8.2 months in February. But in large measure, those hopes were not realized. To put the April 2020 job loss in, in the construction industry in context, the worst level of construction industry job loss during the Great Recession of 2008-2009 was 155,000 jobs. That was in March 2009. The construction industry lost nearly a million jobs last month alone. Mr. Basu continues by noting that based on a combination of, of business confidence indicators, initial unemployment claims, and other emerging data, May will, will represent another month of crushing construction unemployment employment loss. Project postponements and cancellations are now commonplace, with construction backlog failing to be the protective shield that it normally is during the early stages of economy-wide recession. In an April survey from the AGC, 68% of construction firms reported that they have had projects canceled or delayed during the past two months. In an AEC advisor survey, layoffs or furloughs have been executed or planned by 51% of their respondents. In addition, 
about 20% of the respondents to the survey are opting to delay commitments to future work. On the positive side, 74% of respondents to the AGC survey indicated plans to apply for the small business stimulus loan, the Paycheck Protection Program. However, uh, AGC officials warned that Treasury Department threats to audit or prosecute PPP loan recipients uh, and to deny tax deductions and so forth is kind of muddy in the waters. And, and I can I can say that is, that is a concern for many with the late with the re recent um, uh, guidance that's been coming out of the SBA and Treasury. So U.S. real gross domestic product contracted by 4.8% during the first quarter of 2020. This quarterly annualized growth rate was significantly lower than the, than the positive 2.1% growth rate reported in the last quarter of 2019. That's a negative swing of almost 6% there. While this contraction is not un unexpected, it should be noted that social distancing policies only began to be widely implement, implemented in the United States in mid-March. Because of this, Chris Zaccarelli, Chief Investment Officer for Independent Advisor Alliance stated, the awful headline number is even worse when you consider that the first two months of the first quarter were relatively normal, and this number only includes the March lockdown. He added, given that the full lockdowns continued through April and most states are likely to continue at least partial lockdowns through May, that leaves June as the only month in the second quarter that may see a possible return to normalcy. Richard Branch, the chief economist with Dodge Data and Analytics, says of the U.S. economy, quote, we are in recession, full stop, no question. University of Michigan's consumer sentiment for the U.S. in April fell to its lowest reading since December of 2011 and the largest and recorded its largest monthly decline ever. If you look at the data, states are um, feeling the impact of this shutdown in terms of lost revenue and um, many states are feeling the double impact because of the, the collapse of the, um, of the crude oil market and some of the states heavily rely on that. And so you look at the data and it's, it's just hundreds of millions, billions of dollars that states are losing in tax revenue that they're expecting to lose in the next quarter, which, you know, begs the question, if, if, if states are going to be reeling like this, you know, what are they going to be doing in terms of construction? Uh, private education and university colleges uh, are facing a tough time here with the way um, distance learning and all of that had to be undertaken. Before the pandemic, the, uh, the book, The College Stress Test, predicted that 100 of the nation's 1,000 private liberal arts colleges were likely to close in the next five years. The author updated that and said that it's likely to be 200 of those schools would close in the next year. According to the uh, American Council on Education, the nation's largest advocacy group for colleges and universities, schools should expect a 15% decline in enrollment next fall and a $45 billion decline in revenue. Princeton University, one of the wealthiest, announced uh, a hiring freeze and it's cutting back on, on non-essential spending and won't renew employment for contract workers. The provost at Princeton said economic conditions have been fundamentally altered in a matter of weeks and universities across the country are having to reassess every aspect of their operation. We will have to make some hard choices in the weeks and months ahead. Johns Hopkins University went from projecting a $72 million surplus this fiscal year to expecting a net loss of more than $100 million. 
without austerity measures and a return to normal operations, the president of Hopkins said that they could have a $375 million loss in fiscal year 2021. Now, Hopkins has a double whammy because they have a healthcare system and, and of course, all, all elective procedures were shut down during this pandemic. So they, they're filling the pinch on, on both sides of that. And then, of course, fuel tax with, uh, with, with people staying at home, not driving, demand for gas has gone down, revenues from taxes on gas has gone down. Um, Washington State is looking at a, a $100 million uh, deficit. Missouri is looking at a 30% decline, uh, totally nearly $1 billion. North Carolina DOT uh, finds itself facing a $300 million budget shortfall and has put nearly 50 major projects on hold. So, um, so there's, there's widespread impact, as you can see, across, across many industries where we stand right now. So let's take a look ahead. As Yogi Berra is reputed to have said, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. In the midst of COVID-19, economic forecasting is even more difficult in the chaos that is the current economic environment. The uncertainty caused by the pandemic has made forecasting extremely difficult. How the virus behaves, vaccines, cures, treatments, length of the shutdown, consumer confidence when the shutdown ends, budget deficit, spending cuts, all of that combined to make forecasting about as difficult as possible. As a result, in the April 2020 policy meeting of the Federal Reserve, it was stated that all participants viewed the near-term U.S. economic outlook as having deteriorated sharply in recent weeks and as having become profoundly uncertain. I mean, for the Fed to use the word profoundly uncertain is just, you know, it's just mind-boggling. The Dallas uh, Federal Reserve Bank President Robert Kaplan said the coronavirus could cause unemployment to rise as high as 20% and stated that the coronavirus-induced lockdown will trigger a historic contraction in the second quarter. GDP could shrink as much as 30% on an annualized basis in the second quarter. Goldman Sachs forecasts a decline of 34%. One commentator noted that economists agree it'll be grim, possibly surpassing the worst of the Great Depression. The Boston Federal Reserve in April 20 report stated, that the full extent of the economic damage cannot be known with certainty at this point. It will depend on the course of the spread of the virus takes over uh, over the course of time, as well as the offsetting effects, uh, effects of major economic stimulus efforts that have been undertaken. Because of the uncertainty of the, econ of the economy, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that in April, 295 companies had withdrawn their economic guidance. Apple CEO Tim Cook said the company could not provide a forecast due to the uncertainty caused by the pandemic. Based on a mid-April COVID-19 impact survey conducted by AEC advisors, AEC analysts said with the vast majority of end markets seeing declines in new project pursuits, we expect many firms will experience a prolonged negative impact, which is likely to creep into 2021. Economic forecasts for quarter two range from a decrease of 25% to 50%. JP Morgan estimated a 40% drop. Um, it's important to realize that um, over the next few weeks or months, with the virus, the virus will not be gone or even contained to a manageable level. The risks remain in the short term that we may have to go back down into lockdown. In this environment of uncertainty, it's unlikely that companies will be rushing out to rehire most of the people they terminated. Bain and company just released a report stating that based on its analysis, the U.S. could permanently lose up to one quarter of all business establishments. 
Thus, a significant portion of the unemployment figures will be associated with the businesses that will fail and those jobs will not be coming back. So it's pretty bleak uh, from the economic forecasting standpoint, but at least they have to acknowledge that it's so uncertain, nobody can really give you a good, accurate forecast. But so many industries have been upended by this in such a short period of time, it's going to be tough. I think from the surety standpoint, you know, now would be a good time for the claims department to work with the underwriting department and figure out, you know, what, what contractors were sort of on the bubble going into this and reach out to them and figure out where they are. Uh, be a good time to sort of prophylactically use a, a books and record review or to send out those, those um, notices asking for updates on status of the projects that are ongoing. So uh, with that, uh, let me turn to Jim to get us uh, looking ahead at, at these construction projects. So, so Jim, there's going to be a lot of, of changes in how construction projects are, are managed and operated moving forward uh, once we get out of the shutdowns and lockdowns. What do you see as, uh, as some of the issues that are, that are going to be um, impacting these job sites? Well, thanks for asking. The first primary things we're going to be concerned about have to do with the new protocols for your site safety plans, um, making sure that you understand uh, what the safety's responsibilities are now. Obviously, we're, not, we're going to have a, a new normal for what it takes when someone comes to visit a site, what the safety briefing looks like, um, what types of uh, hand-washing requirements are, are going to be in place, whether masks are going to be used long-term. Um, people doing drywall or working on things where they were sanding wood or working with uh, other abrasive blasting trades, they were already wearing masks. This isn't a new thing to them. But the, to the rest of the site, uh, they only needed to be worried about that stuff while that activity was going on. Uh, and typically, they would try and schedule the trades so that they wouldn't be there for those activities. Now. Uh, the whole time it's going to matter. People are going to need to understand how many, um, and we're learning this as we go, but we don't know how many people you can safely put in a room and have them work. How, how far apart do they need to be? How big can the team be? What is the distance uh, time-wise that needs to be provided between one crew starting and, and another crew coming in? Will we need a sanitary wipe-down of the working area between the crews? Um, we don't know yet, and that's that's going to generate a tremendous amount of uh, ambiguity and head scratching for a while as they try and put these protocols together because right now it's in a state of flux. Uh, California is a great example. Uh, for the most part, they deemed construction to be essential. So from, and we have projects we're working on in both regular construction and surety claims from San Diego all the way to Santa Rosa. And Initially, it was pretty straightforward, hey, uh, if this dealt with public works or it dealt with housing, it was definitely essential, get out there and do it. But then we got some additional guidance and lockdown orders from areas like San Francisco, Oakland, um, Marina, uh, anywhere in the, those counties essentially said, no, you can't even do that work anymore. And so our, our poor corporate council has spent basically full-time hours doing nothing but scouring what the rules are in every single state and then in every region and then inside of every state to try and make sure we're complying with whatever the rules are that appear to be changing nearly weekly. Yeah, and some of these, you know, they, 
these uh, some of these uh, jurisdictions have, have opened up and they've issued these long, detailed, um, you know, rules and restrictions that have to be followed on construction sites. One of them is just you, the, the requiring the, the contractor to provide the PPE for all of their people. Uh, you know, you can't find masks and gloves around. I, how are you going to do that? That's going to be when, when everybody starts to go out to find that stuff and look for it, that's going to be a problem. And then you got, you know, ordinarily you had to coordinate the trades, but but now these these restrictions are saying you know one trade can be in a room at a time, and they and you have to so you have to do your work and get out of the way for the next trade to come in. If you're off, you're going to throw the whole schedule off, and and that's going to be that's going to be a problem. Some of these restrictions are talking about um, having a dedicated you know person that sort of COVID-19 enforcement. I mean you know that. First of all, you know, are those people even trained for that? And, and two, that's just an extra cost for your job, right? Yeah, everything we're talking about screams, this has got to slow way down. And, you know, one of the first rules you learn in construction, you can either do it slow and get it right and build speed with skill and time, or you can do it quickly and do it over because you made a mistake by being hasty. And I think here we're going to have that exact scenario. It, it's not, it's going to be obviously a, a difficult challenge to gauge whether someone's sandbagging or not. But overall, the contractors, when they're finally allowed to get the guys back in the field and get going, there's going to be a sense of, of panic and urgency. Like, we got to get things moving so we can get the receivables back up to a level where we can afford to pay all our bills. I mean, cash flow is king in any business, and construction is no different. You can't generate billable. You can't get cash flow to pay your bills. And no matter how fast everybody injects money into this equation, it won't be fast enough to catch up with having, I'd say, uh, a good portion of contractors will have been without at least half their work for nine, 90 days, minimum. I... Yeah. Having worked in surety for a while, I find that most subcontractors, and of course those of you listening who've had to deal with them, if we're fortunate, they've got four weeks reserve. And I think that's being optimistic. Then they're into their lines of credit, which they count as reserves. But those lines of credit rely on the fact that their investment value or anything else that they use to hedge to get that line of credit is still good. And given the volatility of the market, if the majority was in stock holdings, they may have 30 to 40% less net worth than they did before this thing started. And they may not have the line of credit that they think they do. So, I mean, you, you've looked at this, um, well, you've been dealing with, with, with construction projects that were deemed essential and in various jurisdictions. And I mean, it just, it seems to me that when you're complying with all these restri restrictions, you, you're just going to have delay. How, how do you? How does the? How does the contractor? How does the owner? How do the parties deal with that? Well, I and I run the gamut in what I manage. So, in owner's rep, I typically work with high net worth investors, and um, their mindset is slightly different than the rest of the economy. They see any any time there's distrust in the economy, uh, they're not leveraged. So their position is everything's on sale. Um, and the, the people are dying for work, so they'll come and they'll take the work and maybe give them a better price. The hiccup we're seeing is that some of the, along with obviously PPE not being able to buy no matter where you go at any price, 
uh, some of the line for equipment manufacturers like air conditioning units, uh, they had to mothball either part or all of their lines of production because the demand has dropped. People aren't out there doing the work. Um, thinking of homeowners here in Southern California, we're coming into the season where most people say, I am not willing to risk this summer with no air conditioning. So they're calling to get these things done. And while this is more residential type work, um, I'm driving by yards and seeing at least half their fleet sitting there, not driving out, not going out doing service calls. And um, the orders at the supply houses I'm talking to are at 20 or 30% of their normal for this time of year. So part of it is going to be an availability of materials issue. Part of it is going to be, I believe people are just afraid to spend the money or the people that are working are so worried that they burned through their reserves, they're now going to go into hyper-vigilant saving mode. My guess is, because I wasn't around for it, but this is something akin to psychology that occurred during the Great Depression. When you finally get a job, you save every dime you make because this scared you that bad. Yeah, I know, uh, I know that the, the generation that came through that Great Depression like my grandmother, she would reuse, you know, uh, Ziploc bags and stuff. I mean, they just had that mentality. So, so for sureties now, you know, you're in the position of having to take over a job, um, and, and so you got to get out there and, and find replacement contractors and get bids. What's that going to look like? Well, uh, as most claim handlers know, it's a spot market any time we jump in there, so we're kind of stuck with the cards we're dealt. But overall... Um, I've, I'm reletting and I'm actually walking a site tomorrow for relet and we're seeing um, a high level of responsiveness for anything we have to go for a relet, uh, for tender, or if we're you know, having them coordinate with us on takeover completion. They're, they're definitely responsive. They're definitely eager looking for the opportunity. Um, pricing hasn't been as bad as I thought. I really expected to get quite a gouge, but for the most part, um, they're staying pretty tight. I think it's because they're trying to win a, a nucleus of work or, or a, a, how do I say, a critical mass of work big enough that they can kind of say, okay, this will get us through the uncertainty of the next 90 days. Um, the, the contractors I have talked to are very concerned on public works for schools and the like um, due to the the lack of an economy in the tax base, they're very concerned a good portion of the work that they were going to be bidding is going to get stood down. And, and so they're, they're, the mindset appears to me, at least right now, to be we need to get our hands on whatever work we can because if it isn't already in hand and, and it's available to be gotten, it's going to be fierce competition to get it because somewhere between 60 and 90 days from now, they're going to realize we're not doing any more work. We're not getting any more public works issued. They're trying to stabilize their own situation. Yeah. Well, we're just going to have to see how it how it plays out. And I guess these contractors are going to have to start building into their prices, the you know the anticipated delays, which affects them on a cost basis, and then. You know, they're going to have to build into their price the increased performance of having to comply with all of the uh, uh, post-COVID-19 restrictions. So numbers are going to rise up just from that alone. 
I see contingencies going in there with the expectation of a fall, you know, because there's been enough talk in the medical community, uh, and I'm not an expert on medicine or anything about diseases. I just know construction. Um, But if there is a resurgence and a 2.0 on this COVID sometime in September, October, they're definitely going to be budgeting to take into account that they're likely going to be mothballing operations a second time. And my guess is they're going to have to come up with a way to keep their crews doing something because just using basic psychology here and what you were referencing in that state of the economy, we've got a real risk here that if someone's in a business line and we come into this 2.0 COVID that they may say, Hey, what line of work doesn't get affected by something like this? Maybe I should go for that work. Right, right. And there, and there might be a few, precious few of those. Um, so, you know, one of the, one of the things with, these, with, with this environment that we're going to be in is what happens when, you know, you, you've got your crew out there and, and then two of them say, well, uh, you know, I, I've tested positive. <laughs> now, now they've been working for two weeks and, and they're asymptomatic. And, and so now, you know, that's going to be potentially, and that can be like a weekly occurrence. Uh, you know, that just seems untenable to me as to how you run a job when the potential for that is, is staring you in the face every day, if not a reality. Yeah, that's, you haven't run into that yet. we have not run into that yet. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We're a very substantial firm, you know, nearly a thousand people and, and, no one that I'm aware of, unless HR is just not sharing with us, uh, has it. And uh, and all the sites we've gone to, you know, they we've got the disclosure protocols and the forms we're all filling out and telling each other and promising that you know we haven't gone and done anything risky or traveled traveled internationally. Uh, and for the most part, we don't even travel domestically anymore. The majority of the people in our firm now will drive to where they go to simply to avoid the risk of needing to be quarantined. That may be part of the reason we aren't seeing um, the infections at the sites. But yeah, I have at least a dozen sites. And I would say between the trades at the 12 sites, and I'm just guessing at least 500 uh, workers between those sites have come and gone uh, over the last month or two. And no one has reported an illness. But that's obviously just here. Those are only sites here in California. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess the hard thing is we just don't, we don't know what we're going to do because none of us, for the most part, have run into it. I hear stories of other firms having run into it. But, and, and I know that we have uh, an excellent HR team like everyone else does with a plan in place. But they don't share the details on that stuff until you need it. Uh, I think partly to just keep us calm. So in a, in a recent uh, AGC survey, they said that, um, uh, let's see, 15% of the respondents had experienced project delays or disruption caused by an infected individual entering the job site. So it's out there, and, and that's during the shutdown. So now that when we get back where we're open again, um, that 15% could grow. What, what are you what are you expecting or, or or seeing out there now in terms of you know this is a global pandemic uh, that's the, the definition but the supply chains are global too for a lot of construction projects or uh, what in materials what are you you know what are you seeing I know in this 
same survey, they, they said that 26% of uh, the respondents had delays or disruptions as a result of the shortage of materials, equipment, or parts. We see uh, lumber, steel, copper, conduit, conductor, all that stuff's re readily available. Uh, no one's reporting any delays in getting that. Delays we're hearing are if you need to order light fixtures, uh, HVAC, mechanical equipment, uh, large fans, anything along those lines where it's got an assembly process tied to it, um, we're hearing that it's going to take at least two to four weeks longer than their previous lead time. Uh, we're hearing on doors, frames, and hardwares up to an eight-week delay right now, and they aren't giving me precise reasons for it, but I'm guessing it's because a vast majority of the components are coming from overseas. They're probably making that stuff the same place they make toilet paper, or don't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then that's the challenge. Look, anecdotally, we've all ordered on Amazon, and I'll admit I am a snob and I have Amazon Prime. But I have items that I knew I could order and get the next day, and it is not unreasonable to now wait a week or two. And some of these items, including some masks, we tried to order some masks, and ironically, they were being manufactured and shipped from China. Um, I ordered in early April, and it listed May 11th to June 20th as the target delivery date. So some yeah. items, that's crazy. That's, that's like cable repair uh, wait times. Exactly. Yeah, and so, you know, it's essential. You'd think that there, there'd be better systems in place for getting this dealt with uh, and getting us back up to speed, but it's just not there yet. All right, so last, last question. Um, we, the survey here shows that 49% um, of the respondents had suppliers uh, or subcontractors tell them that their deliveries were going to be late or canceled. Uh, what, are your, what are you experiencing with that? Yeah, if we have siding, flooring, uh, any specialty products like FRP, ironically, I thought FRP would get treated like drywall steel studs, but it's not. Uh, there are severe delays on it. Uh, glues and adhesives, any, any specialty type flooring products, uh, they all, I, and I don't understand what the delay is because they're not telling me, but um, they are saying that they just can't get the product and they're pushing out their timelines. Uh, we also, and, and you know, we haven't touched on this, but it's a huge um, issue. If you need anything done at plan check at the city, you can forget about an over-the-counter review of anything. You can forget about walking in and getting a number and just waiting your turn to submit. You have to have an appointment ahead of time or you're not even allowed to go to the building. Yeah, and I think across, across the country you're going to run into all kinds of variations of that theme uh, with 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 government offices being shut down, people trying to work from home, it's it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a mess until they get back into their offices. So let me uh, let me close by noting something that uh, all of the the surety claims folks should be aware of. You know, when you when you send a consultant out on the road, um, they are essentially agreeing to isolation from their friends and family for 14 days when they return for a self-quarantine period. In a lot of states, if you leave the state, you gotta, you got to self-quarantine. So got to keep that in mind that uh, our consultants are out there working hard and 
and uh, the the uh, the impact of this is is felt in a lot of different ways. So before I um, open up the line for any questions, I want to let everyone know the next edition of Surety Today will be Monday, June 8th, uh, obviously at 12:30. Uh, ordinarily, I would mention some upcoming events in the surety industry, but because of the coronavirus, there's literally nothing in the immediate future. Um, again, Jim, thank you so much for joining us and for your insights today. Um, and and I, um, I really appreciated it, and I've, I've enjoyed meeting you. And, uh, and, and I, I always admired Jim because he, I think, was one of the leaders in using social media. I see his posts all the time on LinkedIn and does a great job with that. So thanks very much, Jim. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate getting to be on with you here today. This has been great. All right, thank you. All right, take care, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surety Today. Audio recordings and white papers from prior episodes are available on the Surety Today page of the Wright, Constable, and Skeen website at wcslaw.com backslash surety-today.